This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Hine, and you're listening to episode 12. This week on the podcast, one of my co-hosts, Emily Reddington, and I get to sit down with Jordan Lee Dooley and hear all about her passion for helping women find their purpose. We met Jordan at the EdgeX Mentoring Conference here in Indianapolis and sat down with her in a little room after she got off the stage speaking so confidently in front of thousands of people. It was so cool to sit down with her two-on-one and get to break down her story in a more private setting. Jordan is a national best-selling author, a podcaster, a keynote speaker, a social media expert, and she's multi-passionate about helping women find tools, education, and inspiration to lean into their purpose and create a life they love. This was a really fun conversation for me as an entrepreneur myself. I loved hearing about Jordan talk about finding her strengths and deciding what areas of business to focus on. But most importantly, what I took from this conversation is that each and every one of us have a purpose and we need to live our lives like we have a purpose instead of just going through the day to day, lean into that purpose and own it. Lots of good information in this conversation, and I really hope you all enjoy it. Before we get started listening, I want to encourage everyone, if you have been listening to this podcast and enjoying it, please consider leaving a rating and review over on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's one of the best ways new listeners and new ears can find this podcast. And our hope is that we can get these positive, uplifting stories to as many people as we possibly can. So thank you so much if you've already left a rating and review. And if you haven't yet, here's our nudge to go ahead and give us some love. All right, friends, enjoy our conversation with Jordan Lee Dooley. Today on the Illuminate Podcast, we have Jordan Lee Dooley. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. We are sitting here at the Edge Mentoring Conference. (laughs) You're off the stage. Do you feel good? I do feel good. It's been a great day. It's been a very full day, but I feel so inspired and filled up. I, even though I got to speak, it's been so fun to listen to everyone else too, because I'm always learning and everyone's crushed it. It's been amazing. Yeah. So I'm ho- Lindsay and Emily are both hosting today, hey guys. Yeah. <laughs> Emily's on the show too. So we're, we're tag teaming on Jordan today. So this is a, a different kind yeah, of Illuminate episode. Um, Jordan, I, I always wonder like, cause we saw you kind of walking around before you went on stage and now we're seeing you after stage. Like how has your energy changed? Hmm. I think I actually have more energy afterwards today. I don't know if it's because it's later in the day, but I always, um, I always find that it kind of fires me up. You know, like yeah. there's an energy with that mm-hmm. and you kind of draw from everyone else. And so I've also eaten. So <laughs> feeling good. <laughs> that could be Got part a little of it. sugar. Yeah, a little blood sugar. <laughs> but um, no, I think it's been great. Um, 
I try to just kind of stay in my lane beforehand and stay focused. Otherwise, yeah. my brain's kind of all over. So, But now I'm having a good time chatting with yeah. everybody and it's been good. Yeah, I know. That's why I didn't want to say anything to you before because I, I've spoken on some smaller stages and I just like, I, you're kind of in the zone a little yeah. bit and you're like still kind of thinking through what you're going to say, even though you've practiced it a million times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny how you think or you will prepare beforehand and you're like, I got this. I know I'm going to say, and then stuff comes out when you're up there and you're like, all right, I don't know where that one came from, but you can just, just kind of roll with it. Yeah. So, but yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So what was your talk about today? So my talk was about ownership today and just really what does it look like to take ownership in our lives? Cause I think we hear that a lot. Um, we hear about the importance of responsibility and whatnot, but I think I have learned personally quite a few lessons about ownership as a whole, not just in like the phrase, you know, own it. Like I say, own it a lot. Um, But really also in life, like the things that we have been given and entrusted to steward, I think sometimes those things, when we come up into those mundane seasons, when we get into the challenge of them, it's like the greatest gift can also become our greatest challenge. And so learning what does it look like when this is something I've been given to hold for a season, right? Whether it's a home or a dog or a child or whatever this thing is that's put put in our life as a responsibility, what does it look like to actually take ownership of it versus kind of letting it go in some ways um or not being very disciplined with it to the point where oh my gosh this thing's beginning to own me it's beginning to run my life because I'm stressed about it all the time there's no routine to it there's no discipline to it so anyways that was a big uh part of the talk there love it okay so I heard I heard you speak at Flourish last year and that's when I kind of found out who you were and what you were doing can you tell everybody just a little bit about your career and what is your life now (laughs) My life is a mess. <laughs> no. Um, so my career has been quite the journey. I feel like I've not had one straight path. And I often talk about that because I would love to say, yes, I did step one, two, and three. And this is how, I'm, how I got here and follow me, you know. But it's actually been a very nonlinear journey. It's been somewhat, I'm very multi-passionate. I've tried a variety of different things. And part of that was given uh, at, the, at the advice of my mom. When I was finishing up school, I had a degree in healthcare administration. And I was not at all thrilled about what I was going to go into. And I remember telling her that I said, I don't know if this is what I want to do with my life. And I fully expected her to say, well, you've, you know, taken out or you've taken four years to get this degree. We've spent money on this. Like you need to do this. But instead she just said, well, don't, then don't try some stuff. So for a while, my career was just kind of this series of trying stuff. I started with a tiny little Etsy store that evolved into a blog. Then I picked up uh, social media marketing and then I picked up photography and all of it kind of weaved in together. And then I grew the shop more and then that evolved into a community online. And it's just been this kind of like, you know, it seems so nonlinear, but I think it's all been leading to where I'm at now. So now I'm at a place where I'm podcasting, coaching, speaking, writing books, but are you like lifestyle coaching? No, I started something called the own it Academy to really kind of complement the book because the book answers the question. The first book own your every day. It really is meant to answer this question that I get on the daily (laughs) of how do I find my purpose? How do I figure out what I want to do with my life? I am either um, a new mom and now I'm six months into being a mom. I've been at home and now I want to find something that I enjoy on the side, but what is that? Or I just got out of college, not thrilled with my degree. What do I do? Or I've been in the same job for the last six years. I hate it, but I'm stuck. How do I figure that desire for more meaning? And so that's really what the book aimed to answer and give healthier perspective on. And there's a lot to it, but my whole like kind of premise is your purpose isn't lost. And I don't know why we say we need to find it. I actually think we bring it to our place to the places that we go and we can start with that perspective it gives us 
us a lot of freedom to then move rather than hoping this position or that position will give us our purpose. Mm. So that was kind of the foundational message of, of the book. And then I meant to, or now with this coaching program, the idea was, okay, so you've read the book and you're at this place where maybe you are now really having a healthier perspective on all of this. And you're really now trying to bring your passions and your purpose and your expertise and kind of, you know, what you're good at and what you love together in a way that's sustainable in a way that's healthy in a way that's that fits your season of life what does that look like so I created a four-week framework to take someone through to really start clarifying that asking the right questions digging into the right experiences pulling out these pieces putting them together and then finding kind of a sweet spot and saying oh my gosh if I could do this this or this in this sweet spot that would be my lane it would be awesome and so it's really meant to be clarity and strategy through a lot of passions a lot of ideas and a lot of feeling stuck to really start using your gifts in the, in the marketplace I love it can you imagine like this in 2008 even like the opportunities mm-hmm. we have because of the social world is crazy mm-hmm. it, I, I call it the burden of choice yeah it's like it's like going to a buffet and trying to choose between the lobster mac and the yes. extra guac and it's like how do you do that yeah you know what like <laughs> I don't sure. know if you listen to like any I'm sure you listen to some online marketing type podcasting mm-hmm. type things but I listen to these podcasts and like to try to think of ways to grow my business and mm-hmm. do things. And it's like, how many things can you do at once? Like, mm-hmm. just like you're saying, you have to pick a couple things that you're really good at and hone mm-hmm. in on them. And I'm always like, I, sh- I should write a course about this. I should write a course about oh, that. Yeah. And that was, well, that was the thing. I have course ideas all day long. I'm yes. like, I could teach launching a book. I could teach launching a podcast. I could teach. Totally. And I got to a point where I was like, but what's the foundational core thing? Like eventually maybe I'll add those things, but what is going to be the most natural next step from someone who's, who's digested this method mm-hmm. message been so like almost thinking of how can I best serve the audience? Cause I could, I would love to teach on podcasting. I would love to teach these things and I could, but I had to start breaking it down and saying, what's going to best serve yes. And what also, I have also been really kind of uh, mulling over this question of what can I let go and what do I need to grow? It's kind of like this. Like if you look at your closet and you go, you know, to your, <laughs> your favorite store and you get, you know, 10 new shirts, it's like there's no more room in your closet if your closet is full. So you have to probably remove 10 shirts to make room for those new ones or you're going to have a messy closet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sometimes how our brains are and how our work life is. And so I've really been trying to get into that practice of, okay, I know that it's time for something new in my work based off of the book came out. I went on book tour. This is what everyone's asking. I don't really currently have something to offer for that. So if I'm going to add it, that means I have to subtract something else to create capacity or somehow overnight have a team of 50 people to do all of this. And right now I have a small team. So I have to know and work with what I have and allow that to be what we do. So I need to hear that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is the st- Jordan. This is the story of my life right now. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. So um, what are your tips though for that? Because, you know, I think that Lindsay and I have similar personalities in the way that we want to, we just want to do everything because mm-hmm. it all sounds really yeah. fun. Yeah. So let's just do it all. Mm-hmm. But you talk about in your book about like what feels good versus mm-hmm. like what is good yeah. for you yeah. and how do you identify those things and then go with that? So this isn't my method, but it's a method I often share because I think it's genius. Um, I found it for, through a friend, and so then I went and researched it, and it's developed by a woman named Susie Welch, and she calls it the 10-10-10 analysis. So when, when we have a new idea or we have a decision in front of us of something we could take on or something we could add to our businesses or something we could add to our plates, whatever it is in our lives, asking ourselves, how will I feel about this in 10 minutes? How will I feel about this in 10 weeks? And how will I feel about this in 10 months can be really helpful because if it's the right decision, it'll say good, good, and good. Or right, mm. right, and right. But if it's probably not the best decision, what will happen is we'll say, in 10 minutes, I'm probably going to feel great about this. I'll give it a really simple example. Uh, eating a cookie. 
I'm going to feel great. It tastes good. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. But if I do that day after day, after day, after day, 10 weeks down the road and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling good. Right. You know, or another example would be another volunteer activity that we don't have time for or another business endeavor Mm -hmm. in 10 minutes. It's going to feel great. It's new. It's exciting. It's awesome. You know, we didn't let our friend down who asked us to be a part of this volunteer Mm -hmm. thing, but in 10 weeks, we're going to start resenting it. Mm -hmm. And in 10 months, we're like, what could I have done to spend my time better? I could have been with my husband or I could have been with my family or I could have rested, (laughs) slept, Mm -hmm. you know? And so sometimes I think sometimes we have to say, will future me be in agreement that this is right? In like, will it will future be be in agreement with present me that this is right? And I think prayer is also a huge thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that tool that really breaks it down and saying, how many feel about this in 10 mi- minutes, weeks and months helps us think bigger picture about all these ideas that we have in our head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there has to be like that underlying current where mm-hmm. it's all kind of, it's going to be under all the excitement, yes. there's going to be a, a basis that resonates well with yes. your soul. And yes. you it's like, okay, this is the right choice because yep. that still will be there in 10 months, that underlying current. Yes. In your book, you also talk about the imposter syndrome. And I mm. feel like we all are going to encounter that in our lives, no matter what we do, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like in some things, some things feel natural from the start. Mm-hmm. They just do. Like I always knew I wanted to be a mom, hmm. I had kids. It was always natural for me, mm-hmm. but some things don't, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. what happens when it doesn't feel natural, but you do feel that underlying current, this is the right way, this mm-hmm. is what we're supposed, I'm supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. but I just feel so ugh, out of yeah. whack. Like, yeah. this is, is this really what I'm, you right. know, is I, do I have what it takes to do this? Sure. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned in those spaces that I know I'm supposed to be in, but don't feel quite ready for or mm-hmm. qualified for or prepared for is the art of actually being coachable like certain things come naturally to us Mm -hmm. and I think we still need to be coachable in those but I'm such a doer and a do-it-yourself kind of person like I DIY life every way that I can Mm -hmm. um so I've been having to learn the art of I think actually imposter syndrome comes from that feeling that we need to prove that we know what we're doing when we don't and we actually immediately get rid of imposter imposter syndrome the moment that we say actually I have no clue what I'm doing can you help me can you help me because it kind of like that you kind of bite it in the butt, right. to be honest, because that's what that feeling is, is you got to prove you know it, you got to prove you've, you're qualified. But in reality, if you can just say, that's why I say what I just shared earlier about, I would love to tell you know my community, yes, this has been the perfect three-step path that I've pursued. And if you just follow me, you'll be successful. But if I can actually say, actually, no, I've had to trial and error, trial and error. It's been very nonlinear. I've looked like a crazy person seven times or more. You've probably watched that. Thank you for sticking <laughs> with me through it. I'm figuring this out as we go, but here's what I've learned along the way. And I'm happy to pass that on to you because you might be in the middle of the journey I just kind of mm. came out of. And that takes a lot of the imposter syndrome away because I'm not trying to prove to anyone that I know everything. I'm just right. saying I've learned some things as a result of this and I can be transparent in that and I'm willing mm. to learn through it. And I hope you are too. So I've really found that being coachable and just being willing to learn and admit you don't know or that you've not done it perfectly takes a lot of that away. It's very freeing. (laughs) For sure. I know. Well, when you were talking about it earlier on your, in your talk Mm -hmm. at the edge conference, um, I think you were talking about being an Enneagram three or something Mm -hmm. and then just like thinking, wanting to do it all yourself. Mm -hmm. But see, I'm kind of the opposite where I'm like, please do everything for me. (laughs) Like I do not know what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. there's like gotta be some sort of balance there. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about the idea for your book and when it came out Mm -hmm. and how did you know that this was actually going to a dream that was going to come true? Well, 
I really didn't know if it was going to be a dream that came true. I kind of just was like, well, we're going to jump into the deep end and hope it works. Um, But the idea really came from those questions I was getting from women in different seasons. And I really noticed that it was often women in transitional seasons of life. I specifically about 22 to 35, give or take a little bit, but that was kind of the, this, this audience that I think is, or this community and this demographic that is going through so many quick life changes from whether it's graduating college, getting a job, hating that job, quitting that job, going to a new job, starting to freelance, you know, like all of these, oh, I just met a guy now getting married. Oh no, just kidding. All my friends are getting married and I'm in 27 dresses and now I'm moving for the eighth time. And all of those transitions that come with kind of establishing yourself, um, or becoming a first-time mom, or suddenly a mom to two. Those are seasons where it's like, you kind of start to be a little bit more introspective of what do I, what am I doing? And what contribution do I make to the world? And what's my purpose in this? Or what am I supposed to be doing? Am I in my calling? What? And I think we begin to ask those questions as we start developing ourselves and as we start going through transitional seasons of life. And so I wanted the book to really uh, serve that. And honestly, I rewrote it like four and a half times because, <laughs> you know, it was something where I would think it was good. And then I would pause for a bit or would go through editing and in the midst of those kind of writing breaks I continue to pay attention and kind of survey my friends just not even formally just asking them or just talking with them and I was like oh my gosh that's got if that's coming up for you and it's come up for me before I bet it's coming up for this demographic so I need to make sure that's in the book so it really was like an evolving thing and finally I had to be done with it but yeah um you know it was just something that I I really wanted to serve that problem in the best way that I could to at least, I mean, the subtitle of the book is overcome the pressure to prove and show up for what you were made to do. Because I don't believe you can really live in your purpose if you're always under the pressure to prove that goes back to Mm -hmm. the imposter syndrome conversation. And so that was a really big, how do we, what are our action steps to overcoming that pressure to prove we all feel, whether it's pressure to prove I know what I'm doing as a new mom when I really have no clue or as a new wife when I really have no clue or as a new homeowner or a new business owner or whatever. Um, How do we overcome that so that we can actually just show up in that space really well and very intentionally, even if we're not entirely sure or we need to ask for help. How do you deal with, um, well, maybe not internal imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. but it, the critics, mm-hmm. you know, cause like, you know, I host this podcast and I get some like icky reviews sometimes <laughs> and it hurts my mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? Um, well, you got to have a good cry sometimes. Yeah. And, and you know, let's just be real about that because I think sometimes I would love to say like, oh, it never bothers me. You just, yeah. you know, but, but right. I think that people, we forget we are people and a lot of things are silly. A lot of things mm-hmm. you kind of just have to let roll mm-hmm. off and you need to have a thick skin and you develop that the more that you do it because otherwise you would just get stuck. But at the same time, I think there are certain things where maybe your heart is questioned or your faith is questioned or your character is questioned. Yes. And that's where it hurts more. I'm like, you can tell me my hair looks bad all day long, right? right. You can tell me sure. it sounds like crap. That's fine. But when you start questioning my character, my integrity, based off of a 2% window you kind of perceive that's completely false, and you're putting that out there in the stratosphere, that's where it's like, so what I've really had to learn in this process is I've actually tried to take a different approach is my immediate response, especially if it's on social media, is not to just say, oh, block them. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's the knee-jerk reaction. And I think in some ways it's smart. You want to make sure that you're keeping your community healthy. But one thing I've had to learn is when something is happening, I always have to try to remember, like, hurt people hurt people. Mm. And I also try to look at it from a very objective standpoint. At first, I have to be like, ah, that hurts. And I tell my husband, and he's like, you don't have mental real estate for that. Do not let that take mental real estate in your mind. Love him. And I was like, that is a really good way to put it. It does. You know, and we take that, we let that take over all the real estate in our mind. And so I first kind of process it. He reminds me of that. I still process it, go for a run. 
And then I try to actually, it depends on the situation, but one thing I've found, if it's anything where someone clearly feels like or are trying to claim they were somehow wronged or uh, whatever the situation might be, maybe they're angry at me for some opinion or whatever the thing is, there have been times where I've said, you know what, team? I think we should reach out as a person. And there's been times that has blown people away when I say, hey, if there's any way that you feel like you've been wrong, I'd be happy to make it right or just have a conversation. Yeah. This sounds like it's coming from an angry place. Let's, I'm happy to dialogue. Do you get responses? A lot of the time. And I mean, again, it's, it's uh, on a case-by-case basis. But over, when I get responses, it's the best thing. And it's usually so healing. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just and had an awful morning. Realize. Absolutely. And so sometimes I like to just, I love to just go for it head on because I'm like, I think mm-hmm. that's the sometimes better way to approach it. Again, there's judgment calls, but I have found like that's the professional thing to do. Like if someone came to, let's say I had a storefront and felt like they had a bad experience for whatever reason, even if it's not legit, I'm going to hear their claim. And I'm going to say, I'm going to make sure I give the best customer service I can. And so as someone in kind of the public eye in any way, whether it's, you know, whatever size it is as a podcast or as a speaker or anything else, we have to remember like we have to still perform customer service. And I think sometimes we can go, oh, they're just a troll. They're just a hater. And sometimes they actually might be having something that they felt like wasn't right or they didn't like it or they didn't understand it. So as much as I can, I try to treat people like people. Mm-hmm. Now, there's other cases where when we do that, there's that only makes it worse. or they just, you know, are negative or difficult. And so then I realized at that point when there's no resolution really being desired mm-hmm. and you've put yourself and you've directly handled it head on obviously you can't do that for every single person but you just have to make a judgment call when there's no desire for resolution that's when you know it's beyond anything that you really have done so it's a really healthy line for me to draw of how can I reach out or how can I have a team member reach out on a personal way if there's anything that we can make sure we clarify or whatever then we will and if there's no resolution being de- you know desired there then it's not our problem then we can you know close off that line of communication that's when mm-hmm. I think you can block but I think sometimes we so default to oh they're not saying something nice block them And I at least try to have a dialogue if we can make it happen. If it goes on and there's no resolution, then that's when we just say, okay, we just have to, like, we can't allow mental real estate for that anymore. So we're going to block that. I love that, that your husband said that too. Because any, anytime I'm in a similar situation, my husband kind of puts me in my place a little bit. And sometimes my response though is, hey, you don't, you don't know because you're not actually being the one personally attacked, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about your relationship with your husband and how he's involved in your business? Yeah, so we have, he has been a lot of a strategist is how I would describe it in when it comes to simplifying what I'm doing, because I did have so many different things going on and none of them really seemed to, I mean, they kind of went together, but there was just a lot. And so he knew I was feeling that weight. So he kind of came in, audited everything and was like, okay, this can stay this. He helped me really work through that. What do I want to let go? What do I need to grow? Um, And so from there, he has now become a very active role on the media side of things. I kind of call him like the chip to my Joe in the digital yeah, kind of love it. sense mm-hmm. where I have the vision, I have the idea, I have the, you know, the curriculum or uh-huh. the the experience, but he can kind of like build all the pieces to make sure like the program works or to make sure that the podcast is, you know, getting sent out at the right time or being edited and getting all the pieces in place, the right editor, the right producer, all these pieces. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's kind of the piece master and he brings it all together and I'm kind of the idea and the visionary. So we kind of tag team in that way, but I'm yeah. definitely the creative and kind of the connector and he really puts it all together. That's so cool. You mentioned when you talked that he brought up why marriage therapy is like maintenance (laughs) and it was like uh it was just very brave I Mm. thought of for a husband to Mm. step into that role Mm. and how has marriage therapy helped you guys and would you recommend 
maintenance therapy like that for others. So I always now, okay, let me back up before I say this. So the first thing I want to say is at first he was very against marriage counseling and it was because me as a wife and I will own this. (laughs) I always used it as a nuclear option. Okay. So when we get in an argument or have a disagreement or something was wrong, I'd go, see, this is why we need marriage counseling. You know, (laughs) he's like, no, we don't. We're fine. Right. Right. So that was, and I think, I think honestly, sometimes that's, usually the context in which it's presented when True. when there's tension when there's you know disagreement when there's frustrations when there's anything going on in the relationship that doesn't feel solid sometimes one of one of the two will bring it up like well maybe we should consider counseling and it immediately puts the other person on the de- defense yes so it was a tough thing for a little while and I often looked at it as like we just need that it's like I think I often thought that was the nuclear option and and it right. didn't make him feel loved or like I think that just upset him so then we had some friends who also had done some that had done premarital counseling with these people and said, you guys just have to go to dinner with this couple. You're going to love them. And so it was a very non-threatening way mm-hmm. to not feel like we're showing up to an office with a lady with a clipboard and it's one person. It actually really worked out that it was a couple yeah. and it made my husband feel like he, his voice was heard. My voice felt like it was heard and it was a really healthy thing, but we weren't even going to do formal marriage counseling. We were like, let's just go meet this couple. So it was and like then, a mentorship thing. Well, so they do marriage counseling, Okay, but it wasn't that our first meeting was to go be marriage, you know, to be counseled. Okay. It was meant like, let's just go meet them. You have to meet them. Yeah. Everybody and says that. therapists like... You should date your therapist. Yes. Like yeah. you have to figure out if it's the right fit. Totally. I mean, the personalities have to fit well together. Yep. And I'm assuming that for a couple it's therapy, even, it's yeah. even more complicated. So it's, I it's think like it takes meeting work. couple friends, yes. how complicated that is. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That is complicated. Oh, yeah. totally. And I think that's why, you know, it does take work and it takes commitment. And so here's why this is, I think, significant with my husband's viewpoint and why we so openly share it. Because after we went to dinner with them, he's like, I would love to meet with them because mm-hmm. they were literally us in 20 years. They had chickens. He played in the NFL. My husband played in the NFL. She has a small <laughs> business. I have a small business like it was crazy and so it was almost like so divine how that Mm -hmm. worked out and so we were blessed with that and now we're like what he what he found is we started meeting with him once every two weeks or once a month depending on what our schedule allowed and we did that for several months then we had a crazy block of travel we couldn't meet with them as much but now we just met with them again and we're picking back up but it's been so healthy for us and it helped us it was actually very pivotal in the decision for him to come work with me because we really felt like we were almost running in opposite directions but tied together by a rope and we were like how can we kind of run in the same direction mm-hmm. and that's not to say that working together is the only way to do that, but it was what we needed in that season. And I share that because my husband kind of had this mindset shift after really having a positive experience with this, where he realized, you know, for so long, I thought of marriage counseling as like the nuclear option, like your marriage is on the rocks, your marriage is failing, you need counseling. And I think that's a lot of how a lot of people view counseling. Definitely. Definitely. And so like, it sounds scary. Yes. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're broken. You need fixing. And in reality, it's like, yeah, we're all are broken. We all right, need fixing. Right. So like, <laughs> let's just own that. Um, but anyway, so he, um, you know, he very much bas- he basically had this realization of wait a second, this is kind of like getting your oil changed on the car. Mm-hmm. You get your oil changed so that your engine doesn't blow up. You don't get your oil changed after your engine blows up, right? Like right. It's too late then. Yeah. So he really had this kind of mindset shift. And now we share that with a lot of people in an, in an effort to encourage people to go seek out that type of situation, even if it takes work. It could really take work. But from two people who have been very impacted by it and have seen the positive impact that it's had on our marriage, it makes so much sense. It's like we do premarital counseling. Why are we like, well, we're good Stop. now. We're married. It's like, no, now we need the help. Now, now we're like figuring. really hard. Yes, yeah, that exactly. Makes so, much so that's just our biggest piece of encouragement to any couple, mm-hmm. whether they're about to get married or they've been married for two years or 20 years. It's, mm-hmm. it's a healthy maintenance. It's just like eating your greens every day, you know? Well, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, I'm coming from a place where I've never done marriage counseling. I've been married 11 years, but I would say 
too, like before you have kids, Mm -hmm. like that's such a game changer in your marriage. Mm -hmm. Just like everything shifts. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. But it sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> hey, that's fair. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the season we're in. We're yeah. kind of getting into that. We are getting ready to build our family, wanting mm-hmm. to build our family. And we're so grateful that this year has consisted of that because it's at least helped us get yeah. on the same page and understand each yeah. other a little more. Um, because that's obviously exactly like you said, it cho- totally changes your life. And so I agree. I think yeah. that's great. Do you like Jordan before you have kids? Not like Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll be better off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. So when everything was pulling in every direction with your business you honed in on what you really wanted to do like what's your favorite if you had to pick a lane Mm -hmm. of the book writing the podcast the coaching like you have to pick one thing (laughs) what is it so here's how I describe the one thing. I don't think the one thing means that you only do one media. I actually think it means that everything is actually a ladder. So the way I felt was I was in the middle and I was being pulled in this topical direction, this topical direction, this kind of thing. Like there was not only just different lanes when it comes to podcasting or speaking your book. It was actually multiple. It was like online program a different type of online, like a, a blogging course and then a Bible study course and then, uh, you know, clothing shop and like there was almost like so many different Mm -hmm. mini businesses that were short ladders or mini organizations that were short ladders and none of them all like kind of streamlined together and so what I wanted to do instead of you know saying I'm only going to podcast was how do I make sure that the podcast lines up with the book and the book lines up with the Mm -hmm. resources that I have as courses and how do I make sure that lines up with my message when it comes to speaking so that's what our whole focus has been is getting everything in alignment so that it didn't feel like I was talking in 17 different directions so that's really if I could say what I have found, and I spent a lot of year doing some deep work, or a lot of the year doing a lot of deep work, I really kind of found that my genius zone or my really strong lane is creating content and resources and tools that really um, provide clarity to others. I mean, I was always doing strategy. It's crazy how much I love developing strategy for other women, and that's why I was so frustrated. I'm like, why can't I pick one of my topics? Yeah. And then I kind of had this aha moment of like, maybe my best thing to do is to help other women with their Uh strategy. So I've kind of honed it all into that when it comes to like their life and work strategy. And so everything is consistent when it comes to owning it, owning your genius zone, owning your God-given calling, owning your like your current path and just walking in that very faithfully. Um, So it's been interesting because I was so frustrated. I'm like, why can't I pick? And then I realized because I'm not actually living into my genius zone in any of these areas, I'm best at coaching and consulting. But I can do that through a variety of mediums, through the book, through the podcast, through speaking, and then through online programs. Yeah. So your your coaching, is that mostly like you put together the online program mm-hmm. and people are doing it? Are you not actually like taking calls with people? Yeah. I don't do one-on-one yeah. at this season. I mean, I, I've offered it and it, it comes in pockets. Like yeah. there's times, but at this point, it's just not a season. It's not it's a season I can very do it. time consuming. So it is. But we do, and some of the programs have live group coaching calls. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's... an it's a thing that I try to offer, but I also get to coach people every single day through the podcast and through all these different mediums. So it's, it's not really the medium. I think it's really the, what are we working? What outcome are we working toward trying to create that in people's lives? And then how are we creating some consistency with the way it's being delivered? So that's really helped. Yeah. So what's the, like when a, I'm going to say young woman, Mm -hmm. like I've seen my babysitter, like Instagram story, your book. And I, you know, (laughs) she's, she's like 22. Uh Uh-huh. Perfect. Right. Right on the bottom end of your demographics that you mentioned. Like, what do you want a young woman like that who's graduating college, starting her career? Mm -hmm. She just got married. Like, what do you Mm -hmm. want her to get from your messaging? 
One of the biggest things that I wanted to bring to this space, there's kind of two, there's a lot of things, but I think one of the biggest takeaways is not only that you're made on purpose for a purpose, but that you don't have to settle for the status quo. Because I think a lot of people feel like, oh, this is what I was told I have to do, and this is my path, and I must do this, and then this, and then this. And none of them really know why they're doing it. And so then they get to this place where they're burned out, they don't like their career, they hate it, they don't know what to do, they're stuck, they believe they're stuck, and that they're not capable of other things. And so my, I mean, I love reaching the young woman who's like, oh, okay, like I have to go to college. And I say, why, mm-hmm. why are you going to college? Why, do, if you don't know the answer to that, if it's just because my friends are going, I just want people to understand that that's not their only option or the status quo or why are you gonna go take, why are you doing that? Well, I don't know, it's just my option. And I think we forget that there's more to life than just what we're told we're supposed to do. And um, kind of in tandem with that, I really wanted to speak into, I think the word passions is such a buzzword. And I think it's actually driving us women kind of crazy because <laughs> we are so multi, we are multitaskers. Like our brains are wired to be able to balance multiple things. And so there's nothing wrong with that. I hope, like, I hope that in three years I have three different brands, you know, that I can yeah. have running and that are run well by teams. But what I've found is I think we're so often told like pursue your passions, pursue your passions or follow the status quo. Like there's no balance of like, well, how do we bring our actual marketable skills together with something that is meaningful to us so that we can serve our greater calling, right? Our greater purpose. And so I want that young woman to take away the message of you don't have to just randomly pursue your po- callings. A lot of callings are just meant to stay hobbies yeah. or to complement or to inform what you're doing with a marketable skill. So I want her to understand that she has marketable skills to contribute to the world and to the marketplace to own those and then weave in her passions. I can give a perfect example. And then I promise I'll stop talking. But <laughs> there's a young girl. But you're or, just passionate. <laughs> I, I, I love this though. You know, like I, I, there's this woman that I knew and she was a, a really talented photographer, but she was also passionate about beauty and passionate about mission work and passionate mm-hmm. about all these things. So she was kind of pursuing all these different little areas, kind of like I was for so long. And after I kind of had this realization of there's a way to streamline them and allow everything to layer together well, I was talking with her and we basically said, we created a, a strategy. And I said, how could you really focus in on your marketable skill of photography? Let that be what you really monetize and build. Use it to fund you know, a mission trip every year or missions that you're passionate about without feeling like you have to pursue missions full-time and photography full-time and beauty full-time. And then weave in beauty really organically by giving tutorials for your brides on how to do makeup on their wedding day or things like that. So it supports what you're doing and monetizing in that way that really makes sense. So I just want to help provide clarity of Here's your purpose. Now here's how your passions and your skills weave into it to really serve it well. What are you most excited about in like five years? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I am excited to see, I think just continue to see what my husband and I can do together because we've only been working together for less than a year. And so we have had a lot of vision, but we really now have so much clarity as to where we're taking this this new brand, this Own It brand, and just to see the way that's going to impact, I hope women and men's lives. Um, mm-hmm. It's really exciting for us. There's a lot of ideas, but I don't want to put them out there until we're like, we're doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. But yeah. yeah, I'm really excited to see. And not only that, but also to see our family do this on kind of together. It's like our family, right. our family thing. So yeah, you have so much freedom in that too. I mean, I think about like, you can just like, he's here with you today, mm-hmm. supporting yeah. you speak like he's cheering on. I'm going to say girl, even though you're a woman, but I just <laughs> feels right. He's cheering on his girl. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. I, it was like, so sweet to see him like following you around. Then when you finished, I was like, she did so great. And he was like, yep, she's a bro. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah. so cute. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. really, why am I tearing up? What is wrong with because me? Because I want my husband want to be that. <laughs> I'm like, because this you is, dream about it. Yeah, Jordan, this is the craziest thing because, um, my p- other podcast and some things I'm doing with work are kind of taking off a little bit this past year. And 
my dream is for my husband to like mm-hmm. come work with me. But, you know, he's like he has like a real legit yeah. like breadwinner job, which I'm sure like it was the same in your life as well. And um, I'm like, ah, oh, three, four years, maybe. But you just can like, do it. And he, just you know, something like this, mm-hmm. like this big event. Mm-hmm. If I was speaking at something like this, he'd probably take he'd the probably day off work yeah. and like come yeah. cheer me on. Sure. Right. Sure. But just hearing you guys, you talk about, I mean, you are the, for lack of a better term, like you are the face of the brand. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You are the face mm-hmm. of the brand and mm-hmm. he's your like guy. You know how we describe this? We always describe it like this because that's very true. And so when we first started dating and even when we were engaged and early married, we were chasing his NFL dream. So he yeah. was the face of the brand. Yeah. And over the course of time, it kind of like started to pivot as he was released and kind of he's like, you know, what? I'm going to hang up my cleats. I think I'm done with this. It was like very shortly after that, all of this started. And so we've kind of both gotten to walk in that and support one another in that mm-hmm. way. So it's kind of cool. But I was talking to him about this because I've had people say like, well, how does your husband feel being in the background? And I'm like, I've never thought of him as in the background, no. you know, he's but so, yeah. so necessary. And he's so big. He stands yeah. out. It's so hard to find. Like, no. yeah. but, but he's not at all. And so I never really thought of it like that. And I was kind of even annoyed when someone said that. But he and I were talking about it and he said, you know, in, in college and when I played prof- professional football, I was a long snapper. Do you guys know what a long snapper is? No. Okay. See, exactly. So <laughs> he, he was a specialist. He was a special teams and he wasn't the kicker and he wasn't, he wasn't the punter. He was the guy who snapped the ball to the kicker and the punter, which okay. is totally different than the center who hikes it to the quarterback. I had to learn all of this. I'm like, <laughs> what is a long snapper? So anyways, long story short, unless you know football, a lot of people don't know what that is. People know like a quarterback and a running back, but it's a very specialized position. And he always made the joke how no one knows the, the long snapper until they mess up. They never mm-hmm. know who the long snapper's name is unless they like throw a bad snap and it like costs them the game. Mm-hmm. And so, but the kicker's the one scoring the goal, but somebody has to get the ball to the kicker, right? So long story short, he's kind of always explained, he's like, in some seasons, you're probably going to be the snapper and I'm going to be the kicker. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. in this season, I'm the snapper and I'm totally fine being under the radar and you're kicking and to the crowd, you're scoring the goals, but Mm -hmm. I know I'm snapping the ball, you know? Yeah. So he set me up for success in many ways and and before I was doing that with him with football. So it just, you know, it it ebbs and flows. I love that. How do you guys turn it off though? You know what I mean? Because you're in... Uh, you know, your brain is constantly thinking about the business and now the person that you're married to and you live with, like it's your business together. Mm-hmm. How do you guys like watch Netflix and like <laughs> just move on? Yes. Um, a couple things. One, I am very blessed with the personality. He's like the string to my balloon. So I'm over like, let's go do this new vision. And he's like, yeah, okay, we're focusing on this and let's talk about this. You know, he's really good about rhythmic rest and he's really good about focusing on one thing. So he's very much a compliment to me in that way. Um, but sometimes we do just sit there and watch Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But another thing we found, cause a lot of people asked us that or challenged us with that like how are you ever going to just talk about life and not business but what we realized is you know when you're a family you're a team and so if it's a business if it's a family you're building if it's a house you're building you're building things together so it's actually really fun to talk about the goals and the ambitions Mm -hmm. and the oh this didn't go so well what adjustment do we need to make and we're doing it together so it doesn't feel like it's invading our marriage because we're marriage on mission to do something and so I don't know I think we shut it off by trying to take phone breaks every weekend watching Netflix for fun at night. We've gotten a lot better about that because I used to never watch TV. And now he's like, we need a brain break. But, just um, like, yeah, just yeah. like not Put think. Put your stuff away. We're just on the yeah. couch But I think TV. we've also given our lo- ourselves a lot of grace because we also have a lot of fun yeah. doing it together. Do- yeah, so. Yeah, that's really great. Um, how was the book tour, though? Was it so fun to it was go to really the different fun. bookstores oh and my gosh. have all these people that yes have read was, your book and you know I was a little worried about going on the book tour just because I know sometimes book tours can be a hit or miss it's hard to get people to come yeah, out yeah like, like what if nobody shows up yeah I literally had dreams that no one was going to be there and it'd be like me and, the, and store manager like yeah do you want a book yeah <laughs> but I mean we sold out I think all but one spot 
which was amazing. We wow. had anywhere from 150 to 300 people or something like that at every stop, which is great for a book tour. And so it was really encouraging to see full houses in every city and just feel so loved on um i think we only had one city that was like lower but do you know why that, like was it like demogra- i think it was like where partially it was? the location and the timing it was like early august and i think it was birmingham was the lower one and um i think we would have had a lot more had it been during the college time oh, because right. they would have had a lot of college students come as well yeah i honestly don't know it was also really hot so <laughs> it, I was, don't just, leave it was an add-on because our, our the main tour though was in may that one that okay. came out. Oh, okay. And that was completely like full everywhere, which was very encouraging. So we added some on, added on some spots throughout the summer. And um, still, those were amazing, even though they weren't necessarily during book week. So it was a great experience and so fulfilling um, and so encouraging, too. Probably really exciting. Can yeah. you tell me how that works, though, like on a book tour? Like, do, does your uh, book publisher put it on like do they yeah. connect with the bookstores and yeah. stuff yeah so we had okay. some we had some at bookstores we had a couple stops at a clothing store that we partnered with and then we had one at a like small auditorium where they do movie premieres in mm. atlanta so we had a neat kind of combination of locations yeah that's mm-hmm. so fun yeah okay um jordan we started this podcast we have a little supper club that we do it's there's four of us couples and we meet every week and go to each other's houses anyway so one of the questions we ask people on the show is, do you have a recipe that hmm. you would love to share? That's a good question. And if you don't like to cook, yeah, if you don't like to cook, <laughs> my husband just a favorite chef. meal. Yeah. So yeah. my husband's been making a pesto chicken dish that I've been slowly learning to pick up. Um, and I never really had anything like that before. So my recommendation is a pesto chicken dish with roasted broccoli. So I, mm. I make the roasted broccoli. I don't really like broccoli steamed. So we've yeah. been doing like you what is it called? Toss it, toss toss it it in olive oil. And then do you like garlic salt, a little salt and pepper, a little, we have this uh, spice called aromat. My husband grew up like having it on all his meals. You can get it on Amazon, but anyways, so sprinkle a little bit of that in there and then put it on a baking sheet with foil, roast Mm -hmm. it for like 20 minutes and you get this crispy, like garlicky broccoli. It's really good. What do you, do you put it at like 400? Mm -hmm. Really high. Mm -hmm. 400 for like 20, 25 minutes. Okay. What is one thing you're loving right now? Oh, she's a good person for that question. Yes. Okay. So I am currently loving, oh my gosh, there's so many things, but I'll say one. (laughs) I've been loving Primally Pure's natural deodorant. Yeah. I use it too. Yes. I love it. It's hard to find one that actually like kind of works and smells good. And so I've had a really good experience with it. Good. I love that. That was a good question. Yeah. (laughs) Who's someone in your world that is illuminating the world around them? Hmm. I would say, um, Man, there's so many different people, but um, it's been neat to see my mom, actually. She's a, one of my best friends, so that's a huge blessing in my life. But um, she's it's been neat to see how she's really um, stepping into new things, and she's always been such an empowerer for me, and so I've been now getting to watch from a different angle, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like she's really just inspired me in many ways to take risks. She always says life is a series of taking risks. And so it's given me a lot of courage and getting now to like pay more attention to the type of risks she's taken and the things that she's doing and the success she's had has just, and also the impact she's made on so many lives. And she's hosting a small group of women in her home now. And she, it's just amazing to see how like the impact is spreading. So anyways, I would definitely say mom is definitely one of them. Does she live near you? She lives a few hours North. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you had one message for the world, what would it be? Ooh, gosh, there's so many things. Why? Mm-hmm. I this is my problem. I have so many things. It's like yeah, pick one, right? Uh, <laughs> but I think if it, if I had to boil down all of it, it mm-hmm. was it would I would come back to. You were born for. You were made for a purpose, 
or you were made on purpose for a purpose and it's yours to own because I think sometimes we can know that and it can sound like a great thought but taking action is what really means like that's what owning it means it's not just like oh yeah that's a cute thought I believe it you don't really believe it till you act on it and so I would say act on it and start living like you have a purpose All right. Thanks so much, Jordan, for coming on the podcast. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you to the EdgeX Mentoring Conference for allowing us to have some time with Jordan after she went on stage. I hope that you all took as much from that conversation with Jordan as I did. And I just want to give a quick shout out to our podcast network, Sandy Boy Productions. If you are new to this podcast, we are part of a network called Sandy Boy Productions. And there are two other shows in that network. The first is I'll Have Another with Lindsay Hine. And the second is the Up and Running podcast. If you are into running, the sport of running at all, those are two shows that you might be interested in checking out. And if you have any suggestions for people you'd like to hear on this podcast, the Illuminate podcast, head over to the illuminatepodcast.com and fill out our contact form and let us know who you'd like to hear from. You can find us on Instagram, we're the Illuminate Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, we're the Illuminate underscore pod over there. And we have a Facebook page as well, the Illuminate Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you next week on the Illuminate Podcast.